You know, one of the things that's really important to us at the fellowship is that we create an environment and a space for people to ask big and hard questions about the Christian faith. I don't know if you have a background of being attached to a specific church or a specific people. When you ask an important question about faith, maybe you get the standard answer of you just have to believe it. You just have to have faith and believe it. And, and I understand, I think I've even said it here before, that I have family members that uh, when, when important and difficult questions were brought to them, they would say something like, I, you just have to believe it. I don't know, Zach. You just have to believe this stuff. And I want you to know that here at the fellowship, this is an important thing for us. We want people to be able to come to the fellowship and ask big, hard questions about the faith. Uh, there's probably not a week that goes by that somebody doesn't do that, not just with me, but with the elders, with the staff. Questions about, well, if God is good, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why is there so much pain in the world? That's a question that we talk about often at the fellowship. And if you've been here for the past three or four weeks, you understand that's what we're doing in here during the teaching time is we are answering a big, important question as it impacts us and, and as it relates to us about prayer. Specifically, if God knows everything, why should we pray? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that over my years in the ministry. If God knows everything, why do I need to tell him what I need? If God knows everything, why do I have to tell him what I want, what I desire, what I'm worried about, what I hope for? Well, that's a fantastic question. Those big important questions. Those are the type of questions that we want to talk about here at the fellowship. And here's why. Because we love people and people carry around these huge questions inside of them. And we don't want you to hold on to those. We want this place to be a place where you feel loved, where you can release those questions in an environment where you know you won't get criticized for them. But we also want this to be a place where we ask big important questions because we have full confidence that there's an answer. And that's what we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks. If God knows everything, why pray? And we've been answering that over the past couple of weeks. And last week was reason four. And reason four, the reason that we need to talk with God on a consistent basis is because we were created to live in the presence of God. Like being in the presence of God isn't supposed to be the abnormal thing. It's supposed to be the thing that happens to us all the time. We looked at the, the Garden of Eden, and then we fast-forwarded all the way to the eternity. So whether it's the beginning of creation or the end of all time where eternity begins, we discovered we are created to live in the presence of God. That is how God designed us, and that is what God is committed to. That's one of the reasons. Another reason, well, simply because the Word of God commands it. And we looked at that passage in 1 Thessalonians that says, pray without ceasing, continually pray, always be praying, always be talking to God. And so one reason is because we're made to be in the presence of God, but another reason is because the Word of God commands it. And if you know anything about the fellowship, you know that the Word of God is important to us. We don't just want to talk about the Word of God. We want to open it and understand what the Word of God teaches and not just know it, but live it. And so it's commanded. Another reason that we've looked at in the past couple of weeks, one, another reason that we are to live in the presence of God or always be talking with the Lord is because in the presence of God, we gain perspective or clarity. 
And I was talking about the fact that sometimes we're angry or we're upset or, or we're looking at a specific situation through a specific set of lenses, specifically ours. And the greatest thing that we could do would be to go into the presence of God and say, God, am I seeing this thing correctly? Now, we have to be courageous to do that because sometimes the Lord not only clarifies, but he corrects. Amen. And we have to be prepared for that. And another reason, and I actually think this was the first reason that we shared of why we should be talking with God is because he's the source of all comfort. And we try to highlight the reality that for us as humans, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, we struggle with running to all different types of places to find comfort when all along the one true living God, the one who made us, offers himself to us and says, here's where you'll find comfort in my presence with me. So if God knows everything, why talk to him? Why pray if God knows everything? For those four reasons. But as you see your notes this morning, you see we're not done. I've got one more reason. And the next week we're going to start actually studying specific prayers in the Bible. Remember we talked about this series, Talking with God, being a couple of different things that we're going to do. The first one we're going to answer, why is prayer important? That's what we've been doing. Why prayer is important. We finish that today. Next week, we're going to start looking at specific prayers in the Bible. But this morning, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open to the first chapter of Joshua. The first chapter of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be looking this morning at our fifth reason for, for the, the fifth answer to the question, if God knows everything, why pray? And we ask and answer this question because we want to be a place where people can ask important, hard questions about the faith because people are important and because the Christian faith is accurate. And if those two things are true, then we should be able to ask any question and find an answer to it. So this morning in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read a story about what happened after a very famous figure in the Old Testament whose name was Moses, what happened after Moses died. And we're going to discover in the book of Joshua an important conversation in Joshua chapter 1 between God and Joshua. Exactly. Exactly. And so here's what and Joshua has been the assistant to Moses. He's kind of been his right hand man. And so where we pick up is this moment of grieving, this, this moment of mourning, this moment of what's next for us. Our great leader Moses has died. And so in that context, verse one, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's assistant. Here's what God said to Joshua. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, you and all of this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your 
territory. And God is trying to cast this vision for what's about to happen for them and how big their piece of property is going to be. And he's saying, you can't imagine the land that you're about to acquire from the going of the sun to the setting of the sun, wherever your foot lands, that will be your land. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Lord, this is your word We acknowledge to you and we confess to you the tendency that we have to gather around it for the sole purpose of information. Lord, may it not be only a source of information for us today. May it be a fundamental source of transformation. We desire not just, O Lord, to know more stuff, but to be transformed by the power of God and through the authority of the word of God. We yield to it, Lord. We submit to it, Lord, would you be gracious as you shape our lives with this scripture, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what in the world does Joshua chapter 1 have to do with why should we pray if God knows everything? Well, here's what I want you to do this morning. If you're making notes, there where it says reason 5, talking with God is essential for courage. Now, probably you picked up the repetitive nature of what God was saying to Joshua. And probably along the way, if you have been here for the entire series, whether online or whether in person, you might have picked up the fact that all of these reasons begin with C. We were created to live in God's presence. We are commanded in God's word to pray. We go to God in in conversation for clarity and for correction and for comfort. And in God's presence, we find courage. I want to ask you this question this morning, and I'm going to be honest. It may seem silly, but bear with me. What does it mean This word courage. Now, I have this theory that a lot of the words that we kick around in church life, we have kind of like this kind of understanding of what it means. But if you had to literally write down what this word means, we might have a hard time doing this. And I want to share with you what it means because I think it's so germane to what we're talking about this morning. And if if God's presence is the place that we find courage, then we... We kind of know that we're supposed to celebrate that, but what exactly is courage? Well, if you go back and study this word in the language in which it was written, what scholars agree upon is it's kind of like if you took two concepts, 
blended them together, and on the other side, out pops the word courage, out pops the concept of courage, these two concepts that come together to form our understanding of courage in the Old Testament is alertness and boldness. Think about that. It makes sense to me when I think about it because no matter how much I want to, I can't be courageous when I'm asleep. I have to be alert. And I can't be courageous without boldness. So what is God saying to Joshua in verses 6 and verse 7 and verse 9? Here's what God is saying to Joshua. Be strong, be bold, and be alert. Now, what else does God's word say about courage in Joshua 1 verses 1 through 9? Well, you see, if you're looking at your notes, you see two things that we want to share. One about voice, one about presence. God's voice commands it. Verses 6, verse 7, and verse 9. Listen, God is not suggesting. Have you ever hang out with somebody that hints at things? Isn't that the most annoying thing? I don't, I, I have a hard time. I was about to say, I don't like people that hint, but I can't say that. I don't mean to say that because if you hint, I want you to know that you're loved. But, but, but when people hint at things, wouldn't you rather them just come right out and say it? That's what God is doing. He's making a bold and very specific and clear command to Joshua. He's not begging. He's not suggesting. He's not asking. He's not hinting. Thank God. He is commanding him to be strong, be alert, and be bold. It is commanded by the voice of God. Secondly, God's presence supplies it or enables it. This is a beautiful part of the scripture. I have been looking forward for three weeks to be able to say this to you this morning. I want you to look at verse 9. God demands Joshua to be bold and courageous. Look at verse 9 with me. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? Why can I be strong and courageous? Why don't I have to live with fright, with fear, with being dismayed? God answers that question for Joshua. Because I am with you wherever you go. To our series, if God knows everything, why pray? Because there's nowhere else that will find the courage to live the Joshua-like lifestyle in the world today. We desperately need the courage that comes with and is a byproduct of living our life in the presence of God. Because when I walk out of my prayer closet of being with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I fear no man because I've been with the creator of all things. That is where my courage comes from. And so in this scripture this morning, in these first nine verses of Joshua, we see that God's voice commands courage, verses 6, 7, and 9. And we see that God's presence produces courage, verse 9. But then the question is, why is courage needed? Why is courage important? Why is courage essential 
for living life in faith. Why is courage important for you in 2021, tomorrow on Monday, what would it be, May the 3rd? On May the 3rd, 2021, why do you need to live life with a biblical courage? Like we can comprehend, right, why Joshua needed it, because he just had this moment with God, because he was uh, grieving and mourning the death of his leader, because he had this incredible monumental task of biblical proportion. So we understand that Joshua needed courage, Why do we need it? I want to answer that by answering specifically why Joshua needed courage. So what I answer for him, and then we're going to turn those thoughts towards application and discuss a little bit for ourselves. Well, one reason that Joshua needed courage is because Joshua's life was to be about impacting other people. I mean, think think about this task. Joshua was to physically move an entire nation of people. Now, you can ask any real estate agent in this region how stressful of a job that would be. Okay, everybody pack up your things. Call your movers. Because in just a couple of short days, we are all at one time going to move. Now think about this. Joshua's job was to physically move an entire nation of people into the promised land. Wow. I don't know that I would want that job. I mean, those of you who have had kids, excuse me, kids, I know mine are here today listening, but isn't it hard enough to get your entire family into the car at one time to go somewhere? Now we're talking about putting an entire nation in suitcases and backpacks and moving them, moving their space, moving the thing that they're familiar with. I mean, for some of us, moving and transition can be traumatizing. And an entire nation is about to go through that. Why does Joshua desperately need courage? Because he is about to physically move an entire nation. The second reason that he needed courage is because God was about to work through the life of Joshua. And can I just tell you this? When the God of heaven decides to move through human beings... We better get ready because God always does God-sized stuff. And we have a hard time computing that in human brains, don't we? And so when God moves forward to work through human beings, it is often overwhelming, difficult, disrupting, and quite frankly, hard for human beings. Even people like Joshua who loved God, even people for like you and me, even those of us who love the Lord, when God says, listen, I'm about to work in your life, I'm gonna do something great through your life, it can be difficult because God does God-sized stuff and we're used to human-sized stuff. And so this morning, if we're asking the question, why did Joshua need courage? Well, it's because Joshua's life was to impact others and because Joshua's life was going to be utilized by God. 
Verse 3, if you would look with me at that, we'll see that in the scripture. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. And he says, Joshua, I've given this land to my people, the Israelites, but you are going to be the one to lead them there. Joshua needed courage. And may I say to you that if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are in the kingdom of God, this isn't just a history lesson. Because it is true of God that in all places and in all times, he is forever using his people to do God-sized things. And it may be this morning that you look at this passage and you struggle to have any type of personal connection with it. You say, I'm not a real estate, I don't move people. I don't help people move. I've never helped people. The, the closest I've ever helped anybody move was one time I had a truck and my friend called and said, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? And I mistakenly answered nothing. <laughs> you know that trick, don't you? Hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Nothing. Well, hey, you think you could borrow your truck? Anyway, that's the whole thing. But, but the point being, let me come back on task. The, the point being that in the scriptures we discover that God is passionate about working through his people. And, and we may have a hard time connecting with that because we don't have this vision that God is doing Joshua-like stuff in our life. So what I want to do right now is just pause from the scripture. I want to do just a point of application with each one of us. I'm going to ask you to do something with me this morning. If you have a pen, I want to ask you to take it out. You're not going to share your answer with anyone. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and share it. I'm not going to ask you to talk. I really just want you to do this this morning because I want for us to overcome that sensation of, well, my life is not like Joshua's and therefore I don't really know what level of courage I need. So if you would take out a pen and write under the point where it says uh, Joshua's life was utilized by God, here's what I'd like for you to do. You're going to write two things. The first thing is your address, where you live, where you get your bills, where your mail comes to. So I'm going to write down 73 Round Table Lane. That's my address. We're not going to sell your address for spam mail. We're not going to give it away. We're not even going to see it. But if you would just write down your address where you lay your head at night. And then the next thing I would like for you to write is where you spend a lot of your day. Maybe it's at work, or maybe you're not uh, on the job. Maybe you're a student here this morning and you would write down the name of your school. Or maybe you're either uh, retired or you're a stay-at-home parent. And so if, if that's what's true for you, then what I'd like for you to do is to write down the location that you spend the most time besides your house. It may be the supermarket, Home Depot, like wherever you go, right? But where do you spend a lot of your time? Your work, your school, wherever you're doing hobbies. I want you to write those down. And then after you write those down, I just want you to look at those for a second. 
And I want to make a connection here. You may not be tasked by God for leading thousands of people to pack up their stuff and move physically to another place. But here's the connection I want to make. When you look at those two places that you wrote down, there are people inside those two places that depend on you to lead them in the ways of Jesus. You may not have been a believer very long. This may be very startling for you. You're thinking, wait, what? I'm supposed to be leading someone somewhere? Here's what I want you to understand. That you may not have a Joshua-like calling, but that's because you're not Joshua. You're you, and you have your calling. And your calling still is focused on the idea that God has called you to impact people and to allow God to work through your life. And I would submit to you and argue until evening comes that you need courage to do that. And that's the point that I want to make this morning is that sometimes we are distanced from this story in Joshua because we're not Joshua, because we don't live these experiences, and because we have never felt this call, this, this uh, monumental task of biblical proportions of God saying, Zach, I want you to, to lead the entire county of Bristol County to pack up and move somewhere else. I've never had that experience before. But you know what I have had? I've heard God say to me through the word of God, you need to go home and lead your family well. You need to love this church well. You need to faithfully impact the life of people around you, and you need to do it well. And make no mistake, this is me working through you. Don't boast, Zach. This is what I am doing, not what you're doing. And I need courage to do that. And I, I guess the, the question is, if you have your notes, you see that this is an important question for us to land with this morning because it kind of takes it out of the abstract and it puts it into everyday life because the, really the question is, what does courage look like in real life? Like we can talk about it in here. We can see it three, at least three different times in this, these nine verses. We can define it. It's, it's being alert and it's being bold and you put them together and that's what courage like we can define it we can talk about it we can we can talk a lot about it but what does it really look like in real life like on may the 3rd of 2021 what does courage look like for us under the banner of jesus to live out in everyday life and it's interesting isn't it because if you ask this question to anybody about joshua usually they will return an answer to you that has something to do with fighting or war or conflict. Because if you've read the book of Joshua, you understand that there's a lot of war and there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of violence that happens in the book of Joshua. And so it's natural for us to say, what does a practical expression of courage look like for Joshua? Oh, well, it looks like him rattling his swords and taking his army and marching into battle. I would submit to you 
that that is nothing to do with what practical expression of courage looks like in his life. Look with me, if you would, at verse 7 and 8. Tells us, God speaks to Joshua about what courage looks like on a day-to-day basis. Only be strong and very courageous, verse 7. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What does it look like practically to live out this biblical courage. Now, remember, we're asking the question, if God knows everything, why should we pray? Well, because it is in being in the presence of God that we have courage. Well, why do we need courage? Well, because God has called us to impact people's lives and because God wants to work through us. Okay, but what does that look like in real life? That's the question we just answered. And if you're making notes, would you write down consistent and complete obedience. That's what the Lord is saying to Joshua. You don't have to fear the enemy. If you will be courageous to meditate and follow the law of God in real life, day in and day out, do not turn to the left or to the right, but obey what I've delivered to you. That is what courage looks like in the everyday world. That's what takes courage to do. And I close this this morning with just reminding us that although we are not Joshua, we, thanks be to God, we too have this opportunity to impact the world around us and we need courage. I, I wrote down a couple of thoughts and I really want to share them just with you right, like right out of my notes this morning because I think it's critical for us to close our time really understanding the need for you and for myself to live with courage in this world. So the question is, like, why? And, and, and what does courage look like? And I, I wrote down this, and I just want to share it with you. To obey Jesus and to follow the teachings of scripture, you need courage. And here's why. Because a life of obedience to Jesus contradicts the progressive and humanistic culture that we live in today. To obey Jesus and to follow the teachings of the word of God is to live a life that contradicts the model of existence that we are living in in today's world. It contradicts it. And it confronts it. And it challenges it. And we know that. Like, you don't need Pastor Zach to tell you that living a life that is uh, transformed by the Word of God, that is faithful and obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't need me to tell you that that is in every sense of the word, countercultural 
to the environment that's around us, but we remind ourselves that that is the reason that it can be difficult to do so. Because there are people in each one of our lives that as we seek to live for Jesus, we will either be mocked or confronted and a whole host of other responses. And so when we champion and talk about and plead with people to live an obedient life to Jesus and to obey the teachings of the Word of God, and we talk about it needing courage, that's why. Because to live that lifestyle in today's context, in today's culture, contradicts, confronts, and challenges the culture that we live in. So back to the answer to the question, if God knows everything, why pray? Because we can't faithfully walk with Jesus and live for him outside of these doors without the courage that the presence of God infuses into our own lives. That's why. Would you bow with me? Let's take a moment to pray together before we close our time. And as we prepare to close, I ask you just to take a moment and spend it in a quiet moment in the presence of God, discerning what is your next step of obedience and faith to the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do with this in my life in this moment? Maybe this morning you have underplayed the importance of courage of alertness and boldness for Jesus in your world. You may have convinced yourself that your gospel presence and the light that you bring to bear in the world around you is no big deal. And this morning, Joshua chapter one has taught you that that's not true you do have an assignment of biblical proportions. And so maybe your response is, Lord, I'm so sorry for underplaying being a gospel lighthouse for the world and around me. Maybe this morning, you've realized that you've gone to a lot of different places to find courage and it's, you've come up short and this is a day of celebration for you because you've, you've realized that one of the reasons that we talk with God is because he gives us courage. So I want to give you another moment just to be with the Lord thanking God for this morning 
making commitments to the Lord that he's leading you to. Celebrating the goodness of God to fill us with courage as we sit in his presence. What a great day, Lord. We know that every time that we gather to worship you as a holy moment, and we treat them as such, but it's special, Lord Jesus. When we take communion together and proclaim and preach the gospel, the crucifixion of you, what a privilege to do that with our brothers and sisters. What a sweet reminder to sing out that you are holy and that you are good and that you are gracious. And then to sing that hymn that our grandparents sang and probably their parents sang and just to be a part of a long line of believers that love you and express that through music. It has been wonderful to be in your presence today. Thank you. Give us courage, Lord, as we go to represent you, to impact lives, for you to work through our life. Lord, we need courage. We know that you are the source for that. We acknowledge that, we celebrate that, and we declare our incredible need for that as we go from this place today. We pray all of this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.